0: We want to give you a disclaimer to warn you that this episode contains sensitive conversations about disordered eating and depression. With powerlifting
1: and finding that connection with my body, I've discovered that I do deserve to be here. So in those moments where I feel, you know, the anxiety starting to rise, I can pull myself out of that if I'm moving my body and I'm lifting weights. It gives me so much confidence outside of just physical strength. This is
2: Sweat the Details, a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeart Radio,
0: a podcast made for women by women that puts our training journeys, goals, and mindset at the center. I'm Tamara Pridget
2: and I'm Adrienne Herbert. Every episode, we'll hear from athletes, trainers, and experts who will give us insights into how our bodies and minds work together in training and competition.
0: In today's episode, we are talking about body positivity. Today, we're joined by Meg Boggs. She's a badass powerlifter, and now she's also an author. Her new book, Fitness for Everybody, is available now for purchase and she's gonna be talking to us about body inclusivity in the fitness space.
2: Tamara, I'm so glad that we are having this conversation and I really feel like it's just so important for us to listen and to hold space to hear from our guests
0: today. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I'm really glad we got to sit down with her today.
2: Absolutely. And for anyone who already knows Meg Boggs, maybe you follow her online, maybe you've seen her on Instagram. She has so much energy in sharing her voice and and using her platform to empower others. So I know that the conversation today is going to be great. The Quest Journal of Kinesiology states that modern cultural idealizations of thin bodies have created a climate in which fat individuals are stigmatized in physical activity spaces. The article states that the current model of physical spaces prizes thin bodies and stigmatizes larger ones, creating an unwelcoming climate. The authors argue that what is really needed is a body inclusive space to encourage participation of people within marginalized bodies.
0: I absolutely agree. I think if anyone feels like they are not accepted or wanted at a boutique fitness studio, outside at a park, on a track, wherever they choose to exercise, like that is such a horrible feeling. And so I do think that it's our responsibility when I say our I mean like the clients I mean the gym owners everybody I think it's our responsibility to make sure that people feel welcomed in these spaces because it's it's so important like everyone deserves to be able to move freely without feeling like they're being judged or criticized
2: Absolutely. And ultimately, that's what we want, right? That's why we're here. That's what we talk about. We're here to encourage and to empower and hopefully to include everybody to get active, to stay active, and to, you know, focus on their goals. So shall we dive
0: into this week's conversation? Yes, I'm really ready for this conversation. Yes, let's do this. Hi, Meg. Thank you so much for joining us on Sweat the Details. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Welcome to the pod. I guess a really great place
2: to start, Meg, would be if you could tell us and tell the listeners, you know, when and how you started your fitness journey.
1: Yeah, so basically um, I was in sports growing up. You know, I loved just moving my body. I loved um, volleyball and basketball and shot put. They all made me really happy until I was kicked out of athletics in ninth grade. I got into a fight because I was being bullied so much. I was bullied throughout all of my you know, elementary, middle school, especially in athletics. Mm-hmm. And I got kicked off the team and I never really was able to embrace sports or fitness again. Um, it was kind of like traumatizing for me just because I wanted to be a coach. Like since I was little, I wanted to be a coach growing up. I always envisioned myself being around kids and just helping the community. It was a big dream of mine. That was just all kind of taken away from me abruptly. So I avoided it for a very long time. It wasn't until I was in my 20s whenever I decided to start working out again. And it was because my doctor actually told me that in order to have kids that I would have to lose at least 100 pounds. And that was overwhelming for me because I felt like that was my only option if I wanted to start a family. And so that's why I started working out. So for about three years, I was all about just working out As much as possible. Like, I always wanted to burn more than a thousand calories every workout that I did. I was restricting myself from life in general. I wasn't eating very much, um, but I was getting a lot of praise for that because my body was shrinking. And so I was just trying to navigate my relationship with exercise and fitness and thinking of my childhood and how that was a big dream of mine. And so, long story short, I fell in love with powerlifting after I had my daughter. I didn't really have a good relationship with exercise up until that point. And when I had my daughter, I was like, I have to do something different. I can't keep on this path of treating exercise like it's some punishment for me, that, that it's what I deserve. You know, I deserve to be sweaty and, you know, crying inside. And that was supposed to be my story. And so I just changed my whole kind of perspective. And little by little, I just started trying to dismantle that whole idea in my head that I had to be something different, something what other people wanted. And I went after my dream and I started powerlifting. I was eight weeks postpartum and I just went for it, picked up a barbell. And it, like the rest is history. I just I kept doing it. I kept going back to it. I fell in love with the way that it made me feel, the confidence that it gave me. It just completely changed my life and changed the way that I view fitness and movement, and you know that relationship and connection that we have with our bodies. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Going from loving sports and fitness when you were little to being bullied and then having sort of like a negative relationship with it as you were older and then loving it again, was that like a linear journey for you? Or did you have moments where you kind of went back and forth? Yeah, so it was definitely up and
1: down throughout that, you know, three-year period of me working out to lose weight. I feel like the ups were mostly whenever I would get those little moments of like feeling good. You know how you you work out, your endorphins are just like, oh, and it, you just feel good inside. Mm. It's hard to describe, but There were moments that I also afterwards would feel guilt or shame or embarrassed because I couldn't do things. So it was a lot of like confusion for me back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I didn't like actually let go of the shame until maybe about a year and a half to two years ago. But yeah, it was definitely up and down. Mm.
2: I'm really interested to know as well, Meg, often I think when we talk about people's journey and a lot of what you've described, it's quite individual, you know, and we think about how it made you feel and like maybe when you decided to make a change after having your daughter and that passion. But also, did you have support in this journey? Who supports you now?
1: Well, right now I mostly have, it's my husband. He's been there 100% of the time. He was there through my horrible relationship with exercise. I was making him do all of these things. I think he knew that I was like struggling, but he never really knew how much until I started talking about it, mm. you know, a few years later. But during that time, I felt very alone, even in a sense of like my marriage from him, because I just felt like I couldn't turn back. Like I couldn't erase the fact that I had to be on this weight loss journey. Like that had to be my story. I had to be on a weight loss journey. I couldn't just be, you know, someone who really, really loved exercising and working out and playing sports and doing recreational things. Like that couldn't be my identity at all. It had to be the transformation. I had to be proving to people that the exercise I was doing, the work that I was doing was worth it, that I was paying off. Mm -hmm. I've never really like, understood how to you know embrace fitness without being attached to that label to that before picture Mm. Um, that's how I'm represented everywhere that I go is I'm the before so throughout all of that I've had to kind of be my own support person because I, I didn't know who to trust I didn't know if I could talk to somebody even my husband and say I don't want this to be about weight loss anymore I don't want like I can't do this anymore. Like I am, I I have a disorder. I might, do you see how I'm eating? Like I'm eating an onion for dinner. That's not normal. It's not normal to eat 500 calories a day Wow. and I can't do this anymore. So above all, it was myself. Like that's really all that I could turn to. And I think a lot of people that go probably through this type of thing mm-hmm. feel that way as well. Cause like, who, who do you talk to? Who do you open up to? Yeah, that's so yeah. true.
2: Yeah, I think that inner strength and that resilience that you talk about and you know, You're also somebody who, you know, a lot of people who follow online, you know, they look to you for that, that confidence, you know, that you have a smile on your face when you, you know, you post your videos Mm -hmm. and I think it encourages people not only maybe if they're on that journey themselves, but also just to see someone who's really owning their message, their confidence, their truth. I know you've spoken very honestly and very openly about mental health and that relationship that we have with ourselves. So how has powerlifting and strength training in particular, how has that helped that?
1: Well, it's definitely helped me like tap into you know who I am inside. You know, I I've had um, a lot of really really difficult depressive seasons in my life, and I've never really figured out you know up until the last few years how to navigate when thoughts and things become so intrusive um, when you live in a world that is doing everything possible to look nothing like you. It becomes so much that you feel like if I can't ever look like not myself and I can't look like other people, I don't deserve to be here. And so that's the path that my mind would always take. And now I feel like with powerlifting and ha- finding that connection with my body, I've discovered that that you know, I I do deserve to be here. So in those moments where I feel, you know, the anxiety starting to rise, and my mental health kind of declining, I can pull myself out of that usually if I'm moving my body and I'm lifting weights. It pulls me out, it pulls me out. And I've never been in that dark, depressing season since I've been powerlifting. I feel like I still have anxiety. I still do have those little moments but they're not as dark. They're not as deep because I feel so much more like I, I belong here and that I deserve to be here and that I deserve to take up space and that it's okay to use my voice. And it's, it gives me so much confidence outside of just physical strength.
0: Hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um. I actually want to go back to something you said that I have on repeat in my head right now, You said that you felt like you had to have like this weight loss journey story. And I'm curious, was that just something you felt personally or was that influenced by society or was it a combination?
1: It was definitely the societal pressure Mm -hmm. for sure. Every experience that I've had in my entire life has revolved around the size of my body. Since I was very young, kids have bullied me and pointed it out. In athletics, my coaches pointed it out and said, You know, that I would need to make sure that I was running a mile every day. And by the time I was in high school, the same thing. It was all about the size of my body. Unprescribed weight loss, going to the doctor for a sore throat. It's never not brought up. So it's hard to feel like that doesn't have to be your journey. Whenever literally everything and everyone around you is convincing you that it is, especially in fitness, no matter what program, it always starts with step one, Take a before photo because you're going to change and that should be something you really are paying attention to, which is fine. A lot of people do that. There's nothing wrong with it, but it doesn't need to be a requirement. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be the first step. That's been my only option my entire life. So at some point, you either cave into it and do everything it takes to make that happen or you say no. I, I, I'm I'm choosing me. I'm choosing my mental health. I'm choosing life. I'm not going to follow that restrictive path anymore. I I, I can't do that anymore.
2: Mm, and I mean, I, I'm sure everyone listening can probably relate. Absolutely.
0: So, in your opinion, how can we make fitness wellness these two major industries? How can we make them more body inclusive to people that aren't? cisgender white women that have different abilities, that have different body types? I don't know. There's obviously not one perfect answer, but it's constantly on my mind.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it just comes down to the representation. I don't think there's any representation outside of that in the fitness world. I think that we should appreciate the fact that there are so many different types of bodies out there and we need to see them. We need to see them on posters and advertisements, you know, on you know models for activewear we need to see them where are they they're they're yeah. out there but why 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 don't we see them i think that would be a really really great start would be just representation and then activewear make activewear yeah. for all bodies like there's probably less than 20 places total that i can actually shop at in my size for activewear and out of those maybe about three to five actually fit me well and I can perform in them and they aren't rolling down and they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's just no options. And so if we're telling people exercise is great, it's so good for you. You need to get out there and do it and it's for your health. If we're pushing that message, I mean, we should be providing the comfortable active wear in order to do so and then yeah. not get upset. If there's mannequins that are showing people like in my size, what would that look like on me? I mean, there's so many things that we could be doing, and I've, I've just never understood why we're not, why we always have to just shove everybody in a corner and then just lift up one ideal body type. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. I know this conversation is about body positivity. So what are your thoughts on body positivity? Do you consider yourself like a body positive person, or is there another term that you prefer to use?
1: Well, I think the difference is that body positivity, you know, it started as a movement to uplift marginalized voices and bodies. Mm -hmm. It was all supposed to be about uplifting those people, having them represented and seen and heard and respected and valued in society. And it's been commercialized because now it's been transformed into a self-love movement mm-hmm. instead of its original purpose. And so I think of myself as someone who is kind of a bit of both. You know, I'm body positive in a sense that I'm doing everything possible to make sure that marginalized communities are represented and that their voices are heard and amplified. While at the same time, I'm working on my internal self-love.
2: Hmm. That sounds good. I'd love to talk a little bit now about the book. So you've written a book and it's been released recently, uh, Fitness for Everybody. So can you tell us about the book and your inspiration really for writing it?
1: I just wanted this book to be something for everybody, for the mom who just had a baby and is getting ads on social media telling her she has to bounce back and lose the baby weight and feels all this pressure. It's for the person who had a horrible relationship with exercise who is just trying to navigate their way back and get moving again. Mm. It's for the person who's been depressed, who's felt suicidal, who's not felt like there's a place in the world for them, who is trying to just embrace movement and get out of that horrible mindset of punishment and restriction. I have you know, a, a 12-week strength training guide that's very basic for anyone who's just now starting out, who just has a set of dumbbells, who wants to work out at home. Um, it's a lot of different things and i I just wanted people to feel like there was something out there that wasn't telling them they need to change if they're starting a fitness journey that there's so many other things that are available to them that they're gonna benefit from when they do start their fitness journey. and oh, I'm just so excited about it and I have an entire chapter in there about my experience at under Armor. um I wrote about that because it was like the most powerful experience that I've ever had. Like, it was literally life-changing that was the moment that i realized that i am an athlete and that athletes come in all different shapes sizes colors abilities
0: i really like that oh my gosh me too well meg this book sounds super amazing and i feel like there is a little bit of something for everybody and once again it's just a great reminder that fitness is for all of us absolutely i'm sure you've probably touched on this in your book, but until we all can get our hands on it, uh, in your opinion, what are some ways that people can begin their own journey to accepting their bodies, loving who they are, not feeling like they need to change? I think um,
1: we can allow ourselves to see ourselves. That was one of the biggest steps I had to take, was looking in the mirror, was working out in front of the mirror, was recording myself while I was working out. I just think that we avoid seeing ourselves because there's things that we feel so insecure about. But the more that we actually look at ourselves, we allow ourselves to be seen. It gives us the opportunity to just be us without any pressure. That's the biggest step that I took. That's how I view wellness as well. It's just an active awareness is all it is, an active awareness to just make choices that benefit us and impact us positively physically, financially, socially, emotionally. It's it's choosing the clothes that fit rather than squeezing into the size that doesn't and not caring about the number that's on the pair of jeans. Mm-hmm. For sure.
2: Absolutely. Now, I wanted to jump in on a few of those things because you listed then, you know, social, emotional, there's all of these other aspects and benefits and things that we experience when we work out in whatever way that is lifting, you know, running, breaking the sweat, stretching, all of these things. But, you know, before when you said that your journey was always about weight loss, it was like every exercise you did, you wanted to burn more calories. You said you restricted your calories. And how does that change?
1: Yeah, I would just say the behaviors is what we should focus on. Um, not so much the outcome or the circumstances. Like weight loss is not a behavior and it, we always treat it like it is. Like, so if we change the perspective to making fitness goals that aren't appearance-based and they're a little bit more performance-based, it starts making it a little bit more fun and it starts making it a little bit more exciting where you can focus on other things. I think if we focus a hundred percent on the weight loss and on how your body's going to change, that's always going to be what you're focused on. There's always going to be something that we're going to find in our appearance that we want to change. And it just strips us of the actual experience of connecting with our bodies and, you know, performing better. Mm,
0: That's really good. Um, How can someone like myself truly be more supportive of inclusivity and fitness and wellness? Probably just listening. I think... A lot of the time for me
1: personally, I feel like I haven't really been listened to or heard. But if I had to say like maybe one thing that I think would be helpful outside of just being heard is that when you see someone who is commenting on somebody's size, who's larger, maybe speak up. Mm -hmm. The more that we get away from using um, a larger body as an attack on someone that could make other people think like, why is it a bad word?
2: Hmm. And Meg, also, when it comes to, you know, going into fitness spaces, so whether that's going into a gym environment or a CrossFit box or a track or a running club, you know, I think for a lot of people in the pandemic, uh, they've discovered new ways of training. Some people, you know, whether they've found at-home fitness solutions, online classes, if and when, hopefully, things start to open up again, how can people get from the comfort of their own home to go into those spaces?
1: Usually, my advice would be, do a workout at home and then do it at the gym. So like go into the gym with a plan and a workout that you've already done before so that it's nothing new. I know that there's a lot of anxieties of getting into the gym, um, especially for anyone who's plus size, because you feel like everyone's staring and it's like, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing. Like I need to look like an expert at all times. Um, But I feel like it's been very supportive in my experience yeah
2: i hope that people hear that as well that the that you've had a positive experience and that it is encouraging mm-hmm. because when people do have a, a negative experience of course it sh- it should be heard but it's often amplified i think and that puts people off because it keeps you know that that idea going that it's this intense environment that's super intimidating and so i hope people will hear that as you said, you know, in your experience, Mm -hmm. it's been encouraging and that actually people are there to not only support you, but they're there to do what they came to do. And yeah, I think everyone has a mutual respect as well, that they respect the work that it takes to say, you know what, you're here, you showed up, I'm here, I showed up, let's go.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I feel every time I go to the gym. I haven't had any bad experiences.
0: I feel like, the biggest takeaways from this conversation we're having right now to me is like, one, listen to people. Two, don't project your own anything onto others. Three, calling out things that are wrong or not okay or hurtful to people, like calling them out and we see it, whether it's on a smaller level or a larger level, and then also just like amplifying the voices and the people um, across the spectrum that exists in this world that should be represented and seen in fitness. That's, I feel like those are the takeaways that I'm getting from this. And I'm, I'm just really glad we're having this conversation because it is so important and I don't think it's being had enough.
1: I agree. I'm, I'm so thankful to be here and have this conversation because the more people that this message can reach and the more conversations that we can have, I mean, that's how we're going to create change.
0: Coming up next, more of our interview with Meg Boggs.
2: Welcome back to today's episode with our guest, Meg Boggs. This is a perfect time to move on to our next section of the show, which we're calling Love It or Leave It. So it's kind of like a fun game and we'd love for you to tell us if you would love it or leave it. We're just going to run through a list and you can tell us, Meg, if you're going to love it or you're going to leave it. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so I think I know the answer to this one. Working out in front of the mirror.
0: Oh, love it. Distance running leave it <laughs>
2: <laughs> pre-workout energy drinks
0: love it <laughs> protein drinks love it all kinds mm-hmm. of protein. working out outside in the cold oh leave it Mm-mm. okay this one i feel like it could go either way working out without music just to know you like focus on the form the technique oh leave it <laughs> <laughs> need the music for sure
1: wearing makeup to go to the gym oh leave it it's always a disaster every <laughs> time and like my husband doesn't tell me and i'm like why
0: didn't you tell me like what is happening what are you looking forward to in your fitness journey right now
1: oh i like this question i really really want to hit a pr this year on all of my lifts on deadlift squat and bench specifically that's like Number one kind of goal that I really, really, really want to hit this year that I've been training so hard towards um, and then running a mile in under 10 minutes. That's a huge, huge goal. I'm hopeful. I've been doing interval sprinting and things to just kind of build my endurance. Those are like my big ones. I just I really hope I hit those (laughs) PRs. I'm like, I got this awesome well thank you for sharing it's always
2: great to hear goals tamara and i also share our goals and and hope to hear from the listeners and what their goals are so thank you for sharing those and thank you for being such an awesome guest
0: thank you so much for your time i'm really excited to get your book i'm excited to watch you crush all your goals and root you on
1: oh thank you (laughs) this was amazing
0: Wow.
2: Okay. That was such an interesting conversation with Meg.
0: I completely agree with you. And I'm so thankful for Meg for being so vulnerable with us and just sharing all these various aspects of her relationship with sport and wellness with us.
2: Yeah. She was super vulnerable, super honest. And what I want to take away really was, you know, she shared such a positive message about not only empowering herself and making that shift in her mind, but also what she said about the spaces, you know, saying Mm -hmm. she's never felt excluded from the gym space and that everybody there has always been welcoming and encouraging. And I just thought that was so great to hear and, and to highlight. So I hope that the listeners will will also hear that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I think the thing that stuck with me the most about the conversation with Meg was just the importance of representation and making sure that everybody feels like they can see themselves. So whether it's in a campaign, whether it's in the gear available to them, it's so important. So that's something that I will be thinking about all the time. And with that being said, Meg shared her goals with us and we need to check in with one another about our fitness goals. So where are you at? It's goal check in time.
2: Yeah, so I am still working on my goal of running a PR in the half marathon in the next few weeks. And this has been a good week. So I've done a lot of training this week. I've also done a lot of recovery, a lot of mobility. So yeah, it's been a good week for me. How about you, Tamara?
0: Yeah, for me, I am still training for the heptathlon. I have not quit. Similar to you, I've just really been focusing on little details like recovery, I actually got dry needling last evening and I feel like it just alleviated so much back pain that I was experiencing. But otherwise, you know, just staying on track, staying committed to the workout plan, taking it day by day. So I'm doing really good. Great.
2: Good for you. Yeah. Those little details, as you mentioned, are ultimately, you know, what adds up over time. I always think about that myself when I'm like, oh, you know what? if it's 10 minutes of stretching or, oh, is it gonna make much difference? And then I'm like, yes, that compound interest, those 1%, 1% every single time, it really does add up. So
0: great week for us. (laughs) Are there any areas that you feel like you need our support with right now to help you stay on track and help you reach that personal record for your half? I would say, honestly, I
2: mentioned before that once I shared this goal, I feel like when I'm going out running it's in my mind like oh no the PR the PR so I'm definitely putting pressure on myself so any top tips from anyone about you know how to I guess not let that get in my head and kind of ruin the experience because ultimately this is going to be my first race post lockdown my first race probably in 18 months so I still want to enjoy the race and not let that kind of pressure yeah dominate really.
0: Yeah. Just like have fun with it. Enjoy with it. All those other things will come like you're prepared, you know, so just got to trust it on race day.
2: Oh, thanks, Tamara. So what can we do to to support you to help keep you motivated this week?
0: It's a very good question. Um, I think it's one of those weeks where, you know, it's just kind of like on me. I think I said this before words of encouragement. Would be great. Um, I feel like it just gives you that extra oomph, that uh, extra motivation, kind of just reminding you why you're doing whatever it is you're doing. So that would be lovely okay awesome well as it's a tuesday my favorite day
2: of the week my words of encouragement to you tamara would be there's a whole lot of weeks still ahead of us (laughs) so let's make the most of it and we want to hear how you're doing too so reach out on social you can cheer us on we will cheer you on too and let us know your goal progress you can find me on twitter and on instagram it's at
0: adrienne underscore l d n And you can find me on Instagram at TamsGoin'Ham and on Twitter at Tamara Pridget. That's it for this week's episode, but don't forget to join us next week when Elisa Vitti talks to us about using our cycle to optimize our performance. This
2: is going to be a good one. I cannot wait. I am all about cycle syncing. So looking forward
0: to that one. Absolutely. Until next time, stay motivated. And don't forget to sweat the details.
2: If you liked what you heard on the show, subscribe for free or follow the show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave a five-star rating and review.
0: Sweat the Details is a collaboration with Under Armour and iHeartRadio. Our show is hosted by me, Tamara Pridget, And me, Adrienne Herbert.
2: Our executive producers are Jess Schreibstein, Giselle Lewis-Archibald,
0: and Molly Sosha. Our supervising producer is Maya Cole. Our producers are Ellen Kaplan and Kellyanne Toll. Our assistant producers are Natalia Tamayo and Bella Walco.
2: And our sound editor and engineer is Sarah Gibbel laska
0: Keep up with the latest news in women's fitness by following Under Armour Women on Instagram at Under Armour Women.